Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump onto our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless your fam. Good morning, Steeple Church and anyone visiting with us today. Or if you're watching this video at a different time and place throughout the world, welcome to our Sunday message. My name is Daniel, and it's my privilege to be able to share with you some thoughts around the Word of God today. But before we begin, would you just join me in a short prayer as we commit this time to God? Father, we just thank you so much that despite our geographic distance, you are near to us. We thank you so much that you're not limited by, by space or distance, God, but you can actually speak to us no matter where we're at. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to come and speak to us. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that are open to being transformed by you in this time. Lord, we need you and we thank you for your power. In your name, amen. This week, the Tokyo Olympics finally launched. And I love the Olympic Games. I love the idea of the different nations coming together to compete and seeing the athletes who are the best in the world at their craft. And I remember so fondly the Sydney 2000 Olympic opening games because the ceremony was actually on my 10th birthday. And so I always think about that when the Olympics rolls around. I remember being a 10-year-old completely glued to the screen, watching sports that I have zero interest in, like equestrian and archery, and then never watching it ever again or following it again. But what was really impressive to me, even then as it is now, is not necessarily the visual spectacle of the athletes. For example, watching someone freestyle in a pool or a marathon runner run is not really that visually appealing or exciting to me. But what really impresses me is the dedication, the sacrifice, the focus, the discipline that athletes have to put in to being the best at their craft. And when I watch them, I'm thinking, wow, what have they had to do to get to this level? And I was reading this week about Michael Phelps, the greatest Olympian of all time, 23 gold medals, 28 medals total. And he was a swimmer from the US who would compete in different events, 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters long. And at the peak of his um, career, he was actually swimming 80,000 meters a week in preparation and training for the Olympics. It's incredible. And I don't know about you, but I have this thought when I think of the Olympic athletes, I think, wow, imagine what it would be like to be so dedicated and so disciplined to something that you give up so much. I'm not sure if you've ever had that thought explicitly in your head, or maybe you've thought it in your heart. But what I want to contend today is that you and I have a cause far more important to strive for than an Olympic athlete. You and I have a cause far more important than a gold medal and all the trimmings that come from that. Today we're going to be looking at a short bit of scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians, which is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christian church in a place called Corinth. I want to paint a picture for you of Corinth. It was a Greek city. It was a Roman colony, and they were quite a pagan culture, and there was a lot of uh, Roman deity worship. They valued wealth, status, power. And what was happening was that many wealthy people used that power and, and money to gain status. And unfortunately, a lot of these cultural values and behaviors actually seeped into the church. The church was 
a bit culturally compromised. And one of the reasons Paul writes his letter is to address this. There were Christians neglecting poor, rich Christians neglecting poor Christians um, in their meetings. There were Christians engaging in sexual immorality, including prostitution. There were Christians wanting to show off their elevated social status by the way they dressed. And that is the context of Corinth. So as we approach the scripture today, keep that in mind that this is a Christian church who is, is experiencing some cultural compromise despite their belief. Before we look at our passage this morning, which comes from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, I just got to explain some of the wider context from the chapter before and the early part of 1 Corinthians 9 so we can understand what's going on here. It comes from the DLP, the Daniel Latreet paraphrase. And I, as I mentioned before, the city of Corinth was quite pagan. So there was a lot of um, uh, deity worship and food sacrifice to idols in their worship process. However, as the gospel spread, pagans were converting to Christianity. But at the same time, there were Christians who were really wanting to eat meat. So they would happily go and eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. And so there was nothing wrong with this on the whole because they knew that idols were nothing compared to God. They didn't have any convictions about idols. But for the benefit of the new believers, Paul actually writes to warn them of doing such a thing. So what was happening was these pagan converts had kind of just recently come to faith. And so the idea of eating food from idols was potentially quite destabilizing. They had not yet reached the conviction that idols were nothing yet. And so they could potentially fall back into old patterns of living and think that it was okay. Their conscience could have been defiled if they started eating food sacrifice to idols again. And so Paul writes to tell the Christians, hey, just because you can doesn't mean you should eat food sacrifice to idols. And he writes to say to the Christians, hey, Guys, don't be a stumbling block to these new believers. And he says that he would go full vego in order not to be a stumbling block for them. He says, I would never eat meat again in order not to cause these new converts to fall. And he goes on in the early part of chapter 9 to talk about how, how his entire goal, his focus, is to be a witness to the good news of Jesus. And he explains that he even relinquishes any of his rights to payment so that the good news can be known by people He also then goes on and explains that, hey, I'm going to become all things to all people. I'm going to adapt uh, my mission, no matter who I'm called to reach, that they might be saved. And so we hear Paul's heart as we come to this passage of Scripture. So our key text this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Would you read with me? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Some background to this is that Corinth would host every two years the Isthmian Games. So you had Olympics every four years and every two years, the Isthmian Games, which drew people from all over Greece. And they would have competitions similar to the Olympics, including running, boxing, chariot racing, to name a few. So what Paul does is he utilizes their understanding of both the games and the sports and the athletes and the, the behaviors and disciplines that athletes would have in order to draw two metaphors, one based on a race and one based on boxing. We're just going to take it verse by verse. Would you Read with me back verse 24. 
Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul is saying that the Christian life can be likened to that of a race. And it's not a race based on competition with other people. No, it's a race that needs to be run with intention. I don't know about you, but I've never heard a professional athlete say that they're an athlete just because it was a good idea, just because it was fun, just because they wanted to a running family or friends told them to, but rather they run to win the prize. Paul's encouragement to the Corinthian Christians and by extension, you and I is to run in such a way to win the prize, an eternal crown. Church, we live our lives for the glory of God. We live our lives to please him. And runner doesn't go to the Olympics and say, I'm just so glad I'm on the field today. No, they run with intention. About eight years ago, I was working in business and God called me to ministry through different prophetic voices and people in my life. And I didn't just decide at that moment, hey guys, I'm called and start calling churches and say, can you give me a job? I have a calling. No, I didn't just wait at home for a golden letter of employment to come in the mail and say, hey, we understand your call. We're going to make you a pastor. No, I actually went and enrolled in Bible college because I realized that God had called me and I needed to be equipped. There was intentionality in my decision-making. The Christian life is an intentional life. It's more than just a belief. And our first point today, if you're writing notes, is that we need to keep our eyes on the eternal prize. We need to walk out our faith deliberately. And note, just so you know, our works don't make us right with God. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But we don't let our faith just stop at belief. We need to keep our eyes on the eternal prize. Continue with me in verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Among some financial benefits and a bit of hero status, the winners of the Isthmian Games would actually receive a wreath or a crown to wear in their heads made of celery leaves, and later on it changed to pine and myrtle leaves. And Olympic athletes today are the same. They race for or compete for a gold medal. But Paul is saying this, how much more do we as Christians who run for an eternal prize have reason to run? So much more reason than a wreath. So much more reason than a gold medal. What does it look like? Well, when a person who doesn't know Jesus is looking for friendship and they want to hang out with us, it means that we go and spend time with them. Do we take the opportunities to reach out to people? When we're choosing where to work, live, play, attend church, do we actually ask God, where are you placing me? When being part of a a church community comes at a cost, do we invest knowing that we have a part to play? When move with compassion for someone on the street or in our lives, do we reach out and demonstrate the love of Christ? The way we spend our time, make our decisions, invest in others, speak to people, choose what communities to be a part of, needs to be done with eternity in mind. The lives we live today not only have temporal but eternal consequence. We need to keep our eyes on the eternal prize. In the next two verses, Paul introduces the metaphor of a boxer. Read with me verse 26 and 27. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. 
I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Just like the runner runs for the prize, the boxer also fights with intention. The boxer isn't shadow boxing or punching the air. The boxer isn't a fight, but the boxer doesn't have a human opponent. The boxer's opponent is Paul himself. And Paul is telling his audience that he exercises self-control. He doesn't just give in to his desires. He makes his body his slave so he would not be disqualified from receiving the prize. And he's drawing a parallel that just like an athlete practices discipline and self-control, so also does he in the way he lives out his faith. Simply put, church, Paul is saying that the way we run our race matters. The way we live out our faith matters. We need to remember some of the context of the Corinthian church. As I mentioned earlier, some of them had been engaging in sexual morality. Some of them had been a stumbling block to new converts. Some of them were holding on to their social status, creating division between the haves and the have-nots. But Paul is demonstrating that self-control is integral to how he lives out his faith and life. And he makes himself an example of a counter-cultural example to follow. Being a Christian doesn't necessarily mean we just fit into the stream of the world, but we actually live a life that is marked differently, a life that is marked by self-control. The Corinthian Christians could have continued to eat food that was um, given to idols as part of um, idol worship, but that would have been chasing temporal satisfaction rather than gaining eternal fruit. And so if we take this lens of eternity, the faith of the new converts, the former pagan believers, is more important than satisfying their stomachs to eat meat. If you had a race ahead of you, how would you prepare? Would you be eating junk food? Would you be eat, Would you be sleeping two hours a night? Would you be partying all the time? No, you'd probably be training hard, eating well, sleeping great hours. I can guarantee you that it would be crazy to sacrifice the opportunity at a gold medal just for temporal pleasure. And I think in the same way that we live out our faith, we need to exercise self-control with eternity in mind. The way we run our race matters. Just remember, we don't run in order to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. But it doesn't mean we jog around the track aimlessly. It doesn't mean we just live our lives gratifying temporal desires. We keep our eyes on the eternal prize. We live with eternity in mind. And the second point is that the Christian life is marked by self-control. So the question today for all of us is, how are you running your race? Are you running in your race? Are you running the race in order to win the prize? Are you living out your faith with intention and purpose? Or maybe you feel like you're running aimlessly. Maybe you feel that you're caught up in temporal pursuits and eternity and eternal things and eternal crown is not on your radar. Maybe when you think about that, it becomes overwhelming, like it's tough, it's difficult. Maybe you're thinking it's way too hard. But I want to close today with a final encouragement from the book of Galatians, chapter 5. And in this particular passage, Paul writes about fruits of the Spirit. And one of them is self-control. And he says this at the end of this passage. He says this in Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me encourage you today. No matter how hard it may seem to run the race with intention, with eternity in mind, the Holy Spirit is in us, 
guiding us, leading us, transforming us, empowering us to run the race. The race can be marked by self-control. The race can be run with intention because his spirit is in you and I. It's not about just giving maximum effort, but rather it's by walking in step with the spirit. He's not going to test us more than we can handle. So self-control is doable. It is achievable because his spirit is in us. Would you join me this morning in a short prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to guide us as we run our race? Father, we thank you so much that you have given us the helper, the advocate, your Holy Spirit to empower us each and every day to live lives that bring you glory. Lord, would you help us to run the race with intention, to run the race with eternity in mind. God, we don't want to be Christians who just stop at belief, but we're going to be Christians who live out our faith for your glory and goodness. God, would you just help us each and every day when we're confronted with moments where we need to exercise self-control, that we are empowered by your spirit to live lives marked differently. Would you help us to be people that stand strong in our faith, that follow you with all our heart and trust in your spirit. Help us to walk in step with you in your name. Amen. There's a final person I want to pray for this morning. Maybe you don't feel like you're in the race at all. Maybe you feel like you're watching others run the race and you're in the stands thinking, I want to be a part of that. I want to actually get on the track or you want to get in the ring to use Paul's metaphors. I want to invite you right now, if you want to actually enter into a relationship with Jesus and enter the race of faith, you can do that this morning or even by video, no matter where you're watching. Would you just join me? in a short prayer right now. Father God, I thank you so much that we can come to know you as a God who cares, who loves, and who wants to be in relationship with us. But would you just help us right now to get on the field, to enter into relationship with you. We want to be in everyday relationship with you, God. Would you come into our hearts and help us to walk out the Christian journey of faith? We thank you so much for your son on the cross, and acknowledge his death, sacrifice, and love for humanity and me. We thank you so much for this in your name. Amen. If that was you and you prayed that prayer, you can go to our website and fill out a prayer request form, and you'll be able to actually get in touch with a pastor or a leader, and we'd love to share and speak with you about that decision. But otherwise, thank you so much for listening to this message. Bless you, church. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listen in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10 a.m. every Sunday at 208 Whitehorse Road, Baldwin. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.